Welcome to the Digital Profits Podcast, where you'll learn how to grow your business faster using paid traffic and SEO. Each episode will feature a breakdown of digital marketing trends and answers to your burning questions that will provide actionable takeaways to make your marketing better. So join us, Ben Page, Ray Sawbell, and Blake John, as we guide you on your journey to higher profits. Remember to join the Profit Squad at joinprofitsquad.com and get ready to profit in three, two, one. Hey, squad. Great to see you. I'm joined by Ray and Blake. Hey, squad. Today, we're going to mix it up yet again, and we're going to cover some of the latest search engine marketing news and give our reactions and takeaways to some of the biggest headlines that have been announced recently. So let us know what you think about this format and any of the different headlines. We'd love to hear your thoughts and answer your questions. Let's start out with this fun one. It's a new feature. And the headline is, Google launches notes to add user comments in search results. Guys, what does this mean? What's the story? Yeah, so Google basically added a feature within search results. It's not on a specific page. It's actually in Google search on mobile devices in which there's little icons. There's new little buttons essentially where you can add a note to discuss the search results, whatever, like the page and the content, or you can read other people's notes who already have left them, which is really, really interesting. Yeah. I was kind of toying around with this just right before this recording. And I got a story about a new Pixel phone And people were dropping notes on the phone saying, I can trade in mind for X, Y, Z and just adding like reactions to it. But I wonder, are people going to try to game the system at all? Yeah, that's where my head went when I first read this article. And this, by the way, this released, I think, very recently within the last 24, 48 hours. It's only in beta. It's in search lab. So you have to like opt in for it. But that's where my head went immediately when I saw this is how are people going to abuse this and kind of game the system? Because I think I'm hopeful that Google's moderation efforts are really strong with this one because I could see it going dark quickly. Yeah, it's interesting because if you look at the article, it's a searchenginejournal.com story here that we're covering. If you look at the screenshots, the examples To me, it's almost like bringing blog comments into the SERP. It's almost like people would normally leave comments like these, you know, like after the article or maybe as a caption, if they shared it on social media or something and it's, you know, Hey, this recipe turned out great. I loved it. Best ever. Or, you know, in the case of Blake, you Googled Milwaukee pizza and saw that notes feature visible on that search, one of the search results or maybe more than one. So it's almost like it's pulling reviews and user generated content higher up to make it even more visible. In here, you know, in the highlights of this article, it says the goal is to provide helpful insights from real people alongside regular results. It's almost like a human driven backlink system if you want to think of it that way, right? It's like social upvotes and social downvotes. Yeah, sort of. It's not it's not truly a voting system, but you can leave feedback in which you can and read and really what and Google has been making a lot of updates in the last uh, well probably year, but really even more so in the last like 30 to 60 days and on making the search experience more personalized and more 
user focused and, and specifically like feedback focused from actual users and people who are just like you and me and not necessarily the content publishers. And this is another step towards that. They're trying to get real life experience into the search results as much as they possibly can. Yeah. And I just tried to leave a comment on one of the stories and essentially what it's telling me is what did you think of the link? Keep it friendly and helpful. So Ben, back to your point, it just seems like it's some version of social proof or the comments that people may leave on a blog. So it'll be interesting to see how this kind of plays out over the next couple of months. I think it dies. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> I do too. Honestly. I don't know how they moderate it. AI. And what's the purpose? Just from a usefulness standpoint, and here's why, right? It's like, suppose a lot of the screenshots in this article relate to baking and, and recipes and that kind of niche, that vertical, you know, but here's an example in a screenshot. Someone has Googled every type of frosting and then there's, you know, an article here and it's like a breakdown of almost every frosting and it's showing, you know, add note, 80 notes. All right. So imagine this, you're actually like seriously trying to figure out what kind of frosting can I make to pair with this dessert that I'm going to bake, you know, this weekend. Well, either like a, you're going to want to consume that content yourself or get a helpful summary of it from AI, perhaps, right? Like, give me the cliff notes of this 1200 word article. And like, if there are anonymous commentaries below, you might find some of them helpful. Like, oh, I was making a cake and I wanted buttercream. And this one told me about the three kinds of buttercream, you know, like, cool, that's helpful. But like the reason I think that social proof or that user-generated content works is like it works to the degree that we trust the source it's coming from. So like I'm not going to take extra time to click on, oh, there's 80 notes on this article in the search result to scan through 80 randos notes. <laughs> you know what I mean? To like yeah. try to figure out if this is actually the right thing that I want to get. Now, if there's some way... I forget, is there an upvote, downvote on I don't the believe, notes? I don't believe that there is. I will mention though, it's not anonymous. You do leave it. With your Google account with your associated. Google profile, yeah. Yeah. I mean, which, which helps, right? Yeah. But still, if it's a sea of 80 notes, unrecognized names. Person. Yeah. So unless there's going to be some extra data that is going to like mine out, okay, there's there have been 80 notes on this article. These three were the most engaged with, the most upvoted, the most helpful. Like without that moderation feature, it feels like this is not super valuable. I see why they're trying to pull it higher up they're they're trying to pull it right into the serp to get someone to like oh yes this is the most helpful result for that query for that question but without that added layer of moderation or so like trust it's almost like you know how much do you lean into that wisdom of crowds aspect yeah the only way i can see it working is like if there was like some reputable person or like in in like your example of some famous chef or baker or like gordon ramsay or something was the like you know what i mean like if they were to be the one who were to do it or if like some somebody were to like who managed like their profile did that sure maybe there's value there but like why wouldn't they put that out somewhere else versus like a google note you know what i mean so i could see almost like yeah it's almost like if google had or just in general like there were editors in each vertical based on like they had expertise in baking and now they're going to be the ones to leave notes on the top results for these different highly searched queries or something like that. Like, oh, very helpful if you're a first time baker trying to figure out life or like, you know, if you're looking for advanced techniques to nail this kind of frosting, you know, read this article, but then not to say anything about the gamification of these or the I don't know how you could exploit them. Like I said earlier, yeah. er, early mover advantage, just start leaving notes. 
Yeah, I have a handful of thoughts, honestly, and I don't know. I don't know how much more time we want to spend on this, but I'm thinking like one, it ha- somehow they have to bring the notes to the actual page. You know how you can see like Google will generate a, a summary of an article. It may be in that summary that also includes notes that could be valuable because right now they're only on the on the search result page, right? Which is like you're kind of disconnected from the actual content then. But the other thing, and you know, kind of what you were getting towards, I think it could be the early mover. It could be a strategy to leave comments on your own content and not necessarily in a spammy way, but maybe like if there's a specific pain point that your user has, you could get to them quicker now and really say, Hey, like, I don't know, this solving all your frosting woes here. (laughs) This is how you get the most delicious frosting. Don't forget the extra sugar or something or whatever it is. Yeah. That could be a real strategy. And I don't think that's like black hat in any way or even gray hat. I think it's like a legitimate because what you guys are saying is there needs to be some expertise behind some of these comments. And well, you're kind of the expert in your space and you want to build that. And I think there's an opportunity there. Yeah, it's interesting. What about the flip side? What's all the bad behavior we're going to see surrounding notes? Spam. Well, yeah, spam. People trying to sell things. I was wondering if you could leave links. If you could leave links, it'll just be a wasteland of people it trying to get back links. It doesn't seem that way, at least the couple that I've seen so far, but who knows? It's going to be like YouTube comments. Like people yeah, don't exactly. have like a formatted URL, but it's like, dub 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 space google space com or whatever you know yes exactly exactly that or yeah like fake profiles or like bots or whatever you know just going to all of your competitors serp results and <laughs> leaving notes terrible all caps terrible yeah and i mean because it's tied to your google profile i know every google profile has like if you're a local guide you have like a different level i don't know right. if that's going to be tied to this so like if you're like a higher like level do you have like more trust in like the Google system. Like is, are in those notes. types of comments going to go to the top? So yeah, maybe the mods love you because you're a higher tier, more trusted. I am level six. So I don't want to brag or <laughs> wow. anything. So not that I'm better than you guys, but I am level six. We've so. got a celebrity on the podcast, <laughs> right? A major local guide. Any other thoughts on the notes feature? It sounds like it's going to roll out further, you know, with time, but you know, both in terms of geographies, perhaps even devices, possibly beyond search labs. Just parting thought again. I, I don't think there's anything actionable today. Maybe toy around with leaving positive comments on your content, like truthfully. Yeah. Maybe do it from like your CEO's perspective or something. Or if you have a well-known figure in your company or somebody, you know what I mean? Again, adding yeah. that layer of expertise and like authenticity a little bit to it. You can kind of hit both. So I think that's the takeaway for now, at least. Got it. All right. Next one. Google is using clicks in rankings. Blake, share your surprise with us. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. This one is, well, Ben, you were not surprised by this. I was always skeptical that they were using clicks in as a ranking factor because I felt like they were easy to manipulate. You could easily, if you have 50 employees, say, hey, everybody, when you get home, go click on our article. Like it could help theoretically if they're used as a ranking factor that theoretically that could help. We talked about this too. Like you could build a bot and people do build bots. And this is true. I've seen like cold emails saying, Hey, sign up for this service. We'll make your brand more popular in search and increase search volume. And they do that. They do that by spamming bot clicks. Like that's a real thing that people sell. So I was shocked. Honestly, I thought it was Google would avoid using clicks as a ranking signal because they're easy to manipulate, but I was naive. I was wrong. Maybe. Well, it's, yeah, it's like the, you know, dear sir, madam, do you want 100 DA50 backlinks to your site? We can build them for you. Well, and here's the headline. This is from Search Engine Land. Former Googler, Google using clicks in rankings. And then here's the subhead. Does this mean clicks are a direct ranking factor? No. 
In fact, Bert and Mum are making user data less important. It's kind of interesting. That's where my head is at. Like the user input, again, because it's easy to manipulate, Google doesn't want to rely on that. It's hard not to. And I think in the past too, they have been. And I do think there is still value. Like you want to have a good click-through rate, obviously. So you should be optimizing for that. And I think that's one of the big takeaways is click-through rate optimization on your title tags and meta descriptions should probably be part of your SEO strategy. But I do believe that Google wants to avoid relying on click data and dwell time and things of that nature because they are easy to manipulate and there are potentially better signals that are harder to game, essentially. Yeah, and this this article is some coverage related to some testimony in the ongoing U.S. versus Google antitrust trial. And it sounds like, you know, the slant in here or the different perspectives, the different angles, it's like, okay, you know, this user engagement data and user data generally, you know, are, are influencing at least, we could say, rankings and SERP makeup and so on. But there is a directional or a major push to get AI-driven systems to have more weight on those, you know, to determine like rankings and so on. Because they're as they grow in sophistication, you don't need as much training data. They're able to look at connections, you know, among data sets and different, you know, possible URLs and, and maybe better assess like what is quality versus what is not. And perhaps there's like, I'm sure there's some kind of balancing signal, but traditionally, like it just makes sense to me intuitively, like let's go to like first principles or, or reverse engineer. If you were going to make a search engine, how would you decide what should get to rank first? And, you know, early days it was links and and so on. But you'd, I think you'd also use that engagement data because from like a measurement standpoint, right? Scroll data, click data, dwell time, you know, yeah, links certainly. And then you start to get into some of like the semantic analysis and the, you know, some of the more advanced kind of features. But yeah, I don't know. It's very interesting. It's just, and this is also like relatively older news now. I think this was like officially confirmed maybe three weeks ago. So it's not like the latest news, but it's definitely interesting. And I think it's just worth noting because it, it really solidifies that user engagement metrics are important. And some people are still skeptical of that, but I don't think there's any reason to be skeptical of that anymore. Like we know for a fact now that user engagement is important for sure. Yeah. Any other takeaways on this, Blake? I mean, is there anything that you would do differently, you know, as far as SEO strategy, knowing this? I mean, does it make you pay more attention to meta titles? But then we have the whole thing of like Google rewriting meta titles. Yeah. (laughs) So it's kind of squirrely. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. So click-through rate optimization, I mean, still write quality title tags and meta descriptions. I do think that they're important. They've always been important. Meta descriptions less so, but obviously Google rewrites them. So it makes measuring those things really, really difficult because you don't actually know what's displaying in SERPs. I remember doing tests a while ago and being like, okay, when we did, when this meta script or this title tag was live, we had a X click-through rate. And then this title was live, we had Y click-through rate and you could compare, but now you don't actually know what's displaying anymore. More, so it makes it really challenging, but I think it's just important to keep that top of mind. And I think most SEOs are, but it just kind of uh, reinforces that. Yeah. And it's almost, what if you go a level higher, you know, and you think about the SERP globally and you think about click-through rate globally. So not just like, the reason I'm saying this, Blake, is I'm thinking about instances where we've optimized for featured snippets and then watching, watching the data after you like reclaim or win a featured snippet for the first time. It's like maybe for months we were moving the, the organic blue link up, you know, just ratcheting up one position, two positions and like maybe marginal gains and organic impressions, clicks, et cetera. 
but it's like if all of a sudden like you win a featured snippet and it's just like tripled like overnight you know it's just like dramatic and then so maybe the click-through rate optimization piece is like while taking into account all like zero click SERPs and all SERP features and blue links. And maybe it's just that like the, the, the importance of that, you know, meta title is maybe a little bit lessened compared to some of the other and newer ways that we can gain visibility in the SERP. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Google doesn't want to rely on any like one thing too much because then of course, and we already talked about this, it'll be game. It'll be manipulated. It'll be spammed or whatever. So they're trying like passage indexing as an example, which is essentially when Google like indexes sort of like a single bit of content and like you might rank in a featured snippet because this one paragraph explains this answers a question extremely well. And so, yeah, I agree with you. Like it's a sum of all the things. It's a sum of all the parts that will ultimately improve your organic visibility. Which headline would you like to discuss? Yeah, I thought one of the interesting things, just looking at Performance Max in general and how to look at scaling those campaigns, especially since the prominence of those campaigns has increased over the last year or so. And on average, it's still pretty much a black box. So I think we found a Search Engine Land article where it's kind of discussing different ways on how you can look at Performance Max campaigns to kind of lift a lid on that black box a little bit to help kind of scale growth. So some of the biggest callouts from that article is that um, you know, it's still very much a black box, but there are several strategies that you can put in place to help scale these types of campaigns. And a lot of it is focusing on general marketing principles, like getting the right message in front of the right person, along with having the highest quality data possible, especially if you're like a lead gen client, like having qualified conversions that you're optimizing for. So I just thought this article put together some pretty good talking points when it came to optimizing for very specific data points, along with trying to lift that black box as much as possible. Yeah, interesting. I'm reading through it now, and it's the headline is lifting the lid on Google's black box to find growth, proven tactics to uncover the blind spots, performance max, CPC inflation, and affiliate growth. This one is a sponsored article by Athena. Yeah, and we've seen like over time more data becoming available. Like now we can see performance at the asset group level, which is pretty cool. What are some of the other aspects, Ray, that we've seen, you know, enhanced as far as like reporting and Yep. Yeah, I mean, now you can see search term details in Pmax, which you weren't able to see before. So you have a lot more control as to like what's actually delivering within your Pmax campaigns. You can also add brand exclusions within your Pmax campaigns, which before Pmax was again black box where you couldn't really control like what you were exactly delivering on. So we have a little bit more control there. I think like one of my general thoughts when it comes to like this article is like they're really pushing Pmax. Like, and again, Benny said it's a sponsored article by Athena, but like Pmax is not suitable for every advertiser in my opinion like this is one campaign that you really need to like probably meter your strategy and like start small and then grow based on the results that you're seeing but i think like pmax can be good but it can also be like a double-edged sword where it's going to deliver a bunch of volume also most likely a lot of conversion but you really need to keep an eye on it as it starts to learn and starts to scale yeah it's interesting one of the areas i'm still a little frustrated by is if you segment by network, and it, I think it still shows multi-network, is that the name of it? And it just lumps all the delivery into that box. So you can't tell easily. I think there are some scripts that are trying to get to the core of this or through the API. There are some ways to break out reporting on this. We're getting you know delivery by networks. You can tell, great, I spent five grand on Pmax. How much of that was shopping? Yeah. How much display? How much Gmail? How much search? You know, 
because I think Pmax is great for liquidity and delivery. And especially if you have scale, like if you have budget and so on and like conversion volume at scale, it can be a win for you, especially if you're doing asset group segmentation and creative properly. But, you know, how does it compare to still having like network specific campaigns broken out separately where you can control things like targeting and so on a little bit more in a more nuanced way, more targeted way? Yeah. Interesting. Can I add that? I think it's as kind of like a PPC outsider, someone who knows enough, but still looking in. I'm shocked that you guys don't have that level of data with all the money that's being spent on Google. I think it's actually kind of scary that Google is hiding it and they're keeping it a black box because there's just so much, so many ad dollars being spent there and it blows my mind. Like this is how I always feel on the SEO side because they never, they give us like very little information. Take your crumbs and scram. Yeah. So you guys are kind of stepping into my world a little bit and like there's just unknowns, whereas usually there are like very few unknowns on the PPC side. It's, yeah. kind of, it's kind of amazing to me. Yeah. I mean, my opinion is Google's trying to lower that barrier to entry with Pmax where like any business, ad, like any advertiser technically can launch a Pmax campaign and probably can get like some level of results, but there's also a huge opportunity to lead to a bunch of ways. So like if you have limited budget, you're probably not going to over-index in Pmax, but there's just so much volume that's available in that campaign type. And if you can crack the code and like see some value from it, it, there's so much scale that you can put behind it, but it's still just very much a black box. Yeah. The key is to have your data aligned so that you're optimizing for a qualified sale or lead objective. Otherwise it can create like a doom loop of, you know, oh, great, we got a conversion, (laughs) find more like that conversion, conversion. And then you find out 90% of your leads are junk. You know, it's it's so crucial to feed it the appropriate signals and and to kind of monitor as well. But I think probably Pmax just becomes more important with time, whether, whether it keeps the name Pmax or not, I could see Google continuing to consolidate there. I mean, we see a similar thing, Blake, on Meta with advantage plus campaigns and, you know, automation consolidation. And it's like, there are, there are definite pros and cons, like, yeah, the scale, the convenience, but depending on the sophistication of your data, your ad budget and so on, that's where it can get tricky. I don't know if it's the best tool for all, but it certainly is growing in importance. And I don't think that's going to slow down, especially with SGE and every, I mean, I, I think there have been some announcements we can dig into another time related to more and more, generative AI features getting rolled into like the Google ads experience. And I expect that will only accelerate in 2024. (laughs) So squad, we got to wrap things up for today, but hopefully this has been enlightening. We covered several hot and recent articles in search engine marketing. So again, shout out to us with any questions and just reflect on how you can use these headlines and takeaways for your own digital marketing growth. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening. Your support means the world to us and allows us to help more people and grow the community. Please take a minute right now to subscribe and share this wherever you listen to podcasts and sign up for the Profit Squad at joinprofitsquad.com. This will get you insider access, additional tools and swipe files and help you elevate your marketing game to the next level.